Live from beyond the Beltway, this is Jeannie Ives sitting in tonight for Bruce Dumont with our weekly analysis of national politics, featuring occasional injections of rumor and innuendo, all offered up by our panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public servants, professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary in the first hour by Republican Judith Sherwin, a lawyer by, lawyer by trade and a political analyst by hobby. Democrat Jack Franks is in the studio with me. Jack is a former Democrat elected official at both the county and state level here in Illinois. Our special guest in the first hour is Congresswoman Mary Miller. Mary is one of the 20 that held up the McCarthy speaker nomination in order to get a deal on rules and procedures. In our second hour, you'll have to stay tuned. We have another special guest, former chief of the U.S. Border Patrol under both President Trump and Biden. Mr. Rodney Scott will join the program as we discuss President Biden's visit to the border last Sunday and much, much more. Our program tonight is coming to you from our home base here, AM 560, The Answer, WIND Radio in Elk Grove Village, Illinois. Our phone lines are now open at one 800 723-8289. That's 1-800-723-8289. Before we welcome Congresswoman Miller to the program as the host, in full, full disclosure to our listening audience, I must point out that I do communication work for Mary's husband, Chris, who is an Illinois state representative. I am delighted that Congresswoman Miller has been able to carve out some of her Sunday evening to join us on this program. I, my fellow panelists, and our listening audience with diverse political backgrounds probably have varying attitudes, attitudes towards the speaker fight, either finding it useless political theater or an unprecedented and necessary transparent fight for American taxpayers. We are going to look at what's in store for the future Congress, but first, let's look at the value of a public debate over the speaker's gavel. Mary, welcome to the program. Thank you for joining us. Thank My you for having me. I've always appreciated the fight in Eugenie. <laughs> <laughs> well, our first question to you, and then I'm planning to get some responses from our panelists. Um, not long after the election, the Republican caucus met and had an informal election for the speaker. I believe Andy Biggs was the alternative, and he received, I think, less than 40 votes. So wasn't the fight already made in November following the election? And did you know, going into the January vote, on the actual House of the Congress, how this was all going to play out? Um, well, we did start negotiations back in November, it's true. And um, Andy Biggs was kind of our just stand-in uh, for the time, for the time being. Um, we did negotiate some things with uh, Speaker McCarthy back in uh, December, I believe it was. Um, that we agreed to some good rules, like we we're going to take 72 hours, get 72 hours to read a bill. Um, we we're going to have single issue bills. Um, we were going to end the COVID mandates, like the uh, vaccine mandates and the emergency fund uh, spending. So there were some things that had been negotiated. There were other things that were still up in the air. And I did think, I didn't know how it was going to end up. But I did know going out there for our swearing-in week that there was going to be a big fight. And 
you know, politics is all a numbers game. Mm -hmm. We didn't get the red wave that we thought we were going to get or that we wanted. But the way things turned out, it, we had leverage there to push the conference further conservative. And everybody knows that the American people don't respect the Congress. They don't think it's working for them. Our country is faltering and we cannot have business as usual. Our debt is at $32 trillion. And I heard someone say that it could cost another $100 trillion to service that debt in the next 10 years. We cannot continue with business as usual. And that's what last week was all about. Okay, very good. Jack, let me bring you in here. Uh, you've been involved in Democrat politics a long time. Uh, we both know that there are squabbles that happen inside the political conferences. Do you, though, ever recall such a public fight for leadership on the Democrat side or even the Republican side? And why did the Democrats so readily agree to Hakeem Jeffries? And why is it that even, you know, in, in other parts of the country, you never see this absolutely food fight? Well, not quite a food fight, but an almost a fist fight. Well, yeah. they wanted to make it look like right. it was almost a fist fight. Well, you don't see this from the Democrat side, why is that? And don't you think that there was some bit of transparency that conspired, that actually occurred by having a public fight? Well, actually, I want to congratulate the Congresswoman. When I was first watching this, people were making fun of you and making fun of the whole thing and like pulling out the popcorn from Chicago, like it was some sort of a spectator sport. But what you did is you really held out for better rules. And I want to congratulate you because Jeannie and I suffered un under some terrible rules in the House of Representatives. And now you have an opportunity for real bipartisanship to actually bring, bring things to the House floor. And I hope you guys, one of the rules, and I think it is, is that no motions to table are allowed. And, and maybe you can clarify that. But if that is, in fact, the rule, I think that <coughs> empowers all of the members to actually be legislators for a change instead of allowing just a small group of people to control everything. So I think you've opened up the democracy for better or worse, and it's going to be ugly at times because that's what it is but i see an opportunity here to put resolutions immediately and i mean i have some ideas I'd like to share with you at the proper time i'll bring them up a little later in the show but i think what you did was was terrific and i and i think there's going to be some unintended consequences but also some some intended consequences but i think it will be better for america in the long run mary was, did you want to respond go ahead okay well people were saying that it was chaos you know, that we're causing chaos and on and on. But it's really sad that the American people have gotten used to not seeing debate on the House floor. And we should have civil discourse, debate, the ability to amend bills. All this is healthy. And I can say that at least on the Republican side, many people that weren't with us or that had been voting for McCarthy, you know, from the first vote, told us later how grateful they were. They thought we got a great rules package and it was gonna make our conference and the Congress work better for the American people. So we're, I don't think it's gonna be smooth sailing now. We did get a great rules package, but now we're gonna have to implement it. I do wanna say one more thing is that the Freedom Caucus is now 22% of the conference. And another thing that people were saying is that we were selfishly um, trying to um, get things behind closed doors for ourselves. And that just wasn't true. But we've been dismissed for years. 
and left off of a committee and not given racial representation on the good committees where you know different ones were um uh that was their background and and they should have had those opportunities yep so mary, mary th we that was a thing that mccarthy agreed to and i'm really excited because jim jordan's going to be head of judiciary mark green is head of homeland security yep. we've got um james okay. comer mary great mary we're, we head are... of site dr okay. fox is uh going to be head mary, of mary we're running into a break mary we're, we're, we are we are running into the break, and we're going to be back with oh, Judith. Uh, Judith, you're going to get the question coming out of the break, and that's good. Are these public fights healthy for democracy? Thank you. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. If you talk and they will hear you. We all want our kids to grow up safe and healthy. So we show them how. And we tell them with honest conversations that let them know what we expect. Not just one time, but every chance we get. That's especially important when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. Kids not only need to know the dangers and how to avoid them, they need to hear it often from you. And when it comes to pain medications, opioids, they need to know that they should never be taken without a prescription and never shared with friends or family. It's dangerous and illegal. So talk with your kids and guide them through the challenges of growing up safe and healthy. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. So talk, hey, you can do it if you try. 
Beyond the Beltway. Again, our phone lines are open, 1-800-723-8289, 1-800-723-8289. Let's go to Judith Sherwin. Judith, there were quite a few Republicans that were, and, and actually conservative media saying, okay, enough with this fight, we're done. Okay, we can only take a day or two of this fight, and it's time to just move on. It took a lot longer, 15 votes. I don't think anybody expected that. It was unprecedented in the last 100 years, at least. Uh, so this public fight, was it healthy for democracy? Was it good to show uh, people how to engage civically and use the, the rules that are made uh, for the better? Yeah, you know, I, I was one of those conservative people sitting around going, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> well, thank it, you for admitting really, that. <laughs> sorry, Mary, uh, okay. Congressman. I I uh, took a look at this, and I, I think it is healthy to have this debate. I think the debate should have, I thought, the debate should have gone on behind closed doors, probably because like the rest of the country, I have also sort of been, um, I don't know, it's not spoiled, it's absolutely ruined by all these things happening out of our sight. All we see are sound bites. We see, you know, some congressman or other comes on TV for five seconds and says something and then we shoot to our commercial. You know, C-SPAN was created so that the people of this country could watch debate in Congress. That was the whole purpose of putting it up there. And and really, over the last, I don't know, 20 years, it's like the most boring thing in the world because nothing <laughs> ever happens, right? There's no debate. There's no discussion. There's no anything. A bill is plopped down, you know, as, as happened with this uh, horrible thing that, that they did over the Christmas break. And, and you're told, okay, vote for it. You have uh, five hours to read, what was it, 4,000 pages? Yeah. I mean, it's just crazy. Right. So um, at first I was very concerned because I know that there are members of the caucus who are more willing, let us say, to try to make a deal, mm -hmm. okay? And somewhat worried that perhaps Speaker McCarthy would go for that. But as it turned out, I don't think... He would go for that. Uh, making a deal where we would have ended up with Hakeem Jeffries, God forbid, or someone like who would be taking orders from Mr. J Congressman Jeffries or Congresswoman Pelosi would have been a catastrophe. And so I didn't want to see that. But as things sort of progressed, I started to see that this was actually a fight that, that had to happen. Because the speaker needed to understand that it couldn't be business as usual. He couldn't have the same kind of power that, that Speaker Pelosi had. There had to be input through not just the 20, but the rest of mm -hmm. the Republican caucus from the people who elected them. Okay, and Judy, I, I mean, think um, I, I want to jump that, in that here. That is something that, that I think was really important. Okay, uh, Jack, you're by, Biden. I, Biden. I think the Democrats screwed this up. Okay. Because they, sit, they sat back and they thought it was a spectator sport to make fun of the Republicans. Now, if mm -hmm. I would have been the sitting member of the House of Representatives, I would have gone to McCarthy and cut a deal. And I would have brought five or six Democrats with me and tried to have a bipartisan government and maybe got a chairmanship or two out of it and get some people on the Rules Committee. 
And those guys screwed it up. And that's exactly up. what would have been a total catastrophe. No, I don't think so. I, I don't think bipartisanship think is a bad the, thing. The people of this country wanted. I, I disagree this is completely. Not what they wanted. No, no. I'm that's saying the Democrats played it. I'm, I'm they saying didn't Demo want that anymore. No, business as usual is both sides not listening to each other, being very tribal, and everybody voting for whatever their label was. The Democrats should have broken rank and supported McCarthy. They should have had a few guys go over, and they could have been the decision makers. They screwed it up. It happened in Illinois years ago when Lee Daniels actually did it one time, who's a mortal enemy, but he was absolutely right on that play. Okay, But, the, but no matter how it played out, I think it's better for the American people now because of the rules that came out of it. Okay, so, ultimately so let's, let's it go better. right there, Mary. Yeah. Mary, let's go to there because tell, tell us okay. a little bit more about the specific rule changes that you guys were able to do because you held the line until McCarthy yes. caved to your demands, not unreasonable demands at all. But tell us about those rule changes. Tell us which ones you think are the most important. Well, first of all, I want to say that all of us would have liked to have had this done back in December, but it didn't happen, and it wasn't until we we and McCarthy realized that we had the leverage, you know, basically to force him to approve of this rules package. And so I did make a list of things. And I think Americans across the board can't believe what Congress has been doing, passing these outrageous spending bills that are written behind closed doors by three, four, five people, and their elected officials don't even get a chance to read them. I mean, and just spending us into oblivion. And I want to let you know that I was nervous about how it was going to unfold. It was risky. But the other thing that's risky is continuing business as usual. Our border is wide open. We're bankrupting ourselves. The federal government has weaponized against the American people, which that's one of the things we got, was this select committee to investigate the weaponization of the federal government against the American people. And we have, you know, I think that we're maybe not going to get a lot of things moved forward, but we're going to have a lot of investigations and we're going to do what we can to stop Biden's agenda. That's what the American people want. Stop the Biden agenda, which includes the open border. Okay, well, I you... think it's if, if I could just Go ahead. make a comment. Yes. I mean, I think that's very important. And I think that was very important. What came out of this was mm -hmm. that not just that the representatives would be able to make decisions, but the people who sent the representatives, that's why you're called representatives, had a voice through the people who came there. Mm -hmm. They haven't had a voice for a long time. And so I, I think this was very important. And as to Jack's point, a couple of Democrats breaking off and making a deal with Kevin McCarthy, I mean, I know yeah. I had nightmares about that. <laughs> But what there's if? no way that was going to happen in this world. Absolutely no way. Why not? And I shouldn't have wasted a minute worrying about it because 212, 212, 212, except for the time that that poor guy had to go and have surgery, and then it was 211. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't it, see it, it that way. It was almost Judy. laughable. Almost is, laughable. I, 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 you well, know, it's not so laughable that you wouldn't have had Republicans go and entice Democrats to cut a deal. 
because I will tell you, there's there's Republicans who cut a deal against the Americans for a $1.7 trillion Christmas bill right. that nobody read. Right. So there's no doubt that we would have had Republicans on our side that would have actually well, reached out to Democrats to do such well, a deal. And I think that was the risk, Mary. Well, wait a second. I, I think agree you guys with are you. All wrong. That was a big risk. I, big why risk. do you think that bipartisanship is bad? Do you think only one no. party has the answers? What are we talking about here? When she, when Jeannie and I served in the House of Representatives, I'd walk over to her desk and we would talk and we would work on bills together. I'm like, hey, what do you think of this? And what do you think? And we would trade ideas and we'd put our stuff on each other's bills. It wasn't a Democrat or Republican bill. It's changed so much in these last few years. And I'm hearing you saying that the other side is 100% wrong and you can't okay, work with Jack, them. Okay, Jack, it's a little bit different about a specific bill versus the idea of leadership. Leadership, no, these rules right. that are so important. Am I not wrong about that, Mary? Um, it's yeah, it's completely different. And also, I, I want to be bipartisan. I want to work with both sides, but they are so radical. The Democrats are not liberals anymore. They are Marxists. They are radical. Last week, we passed a bill. Thankfully, every Republican voted to stop the murdering of a child that's born alive during a botched abortion and every single Democrat but one voted for it. It's infanticide. I don't know. They're so radical. I don't know how we can work together anymore. They want an open border and we want to know who's coming into our country. Americans have the right to know who's coming in and why. We have laws. We have immigration laws and they are hell bent on flooding our nation with it's it's literally it's we're being invaded okay so let's let's take this in just a little bit direct different direction because after the bottom of the hour we are going to be looking forward we're going to be looking to what your congress the congress is going to be doing in terms of spending the debt ceiling and um also with these investigations so in order to wrap up the first part of this leadership issue and i've only got about a minute left to do it i did want to bring this up so the latest rasmussen reports um uh, finds that 65% of likely U.S. voters believe the delayed start of Congress was a serious problem, including 33% who thought it was very serious. 32% don't see the delay as a serious problem, including 16% who said it was not serious at all. Believe it or not, a majority of Republicans and independents said that they thought that this leadership fight was serious. But the question remains, is the media to blame for this perception? Were they the, they the ones creating more of the hysteria rather than understanding what this fight was all about? And I say that as one of the biggest issues that, that Mary, that your caucus basically resolved, is returning back to, the, to Pelosi's rule on the vacation of a speaker, back to one yeah. vote. And this was like the biggest lie I thought that the media, I think the media is part, part of the problem when I look at this polling. Mary? Well, the media, I, I, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, go, go ahead. ahead. Judith, you got like 15 seconds. Yeah, no, the media is clearly in the bag uh, for, for the most radical uh, Democrat policies that could possibly exist. And whatever they can do to paint the Republicans as insurrectionists, which they did almost every day, um, you know, people trying to destroy the government, bad people out to kill other people. They're going to do it, and they okay. did it with this fight. And, and that was another thing that was a problem with the fight. But I think, in the main, it was a good result. Okay, for we got to. 
We Not just cut a party, it for the country. Judith, and, we get, we're going we to Judith, we got to cut you off there. We're going to a hard break. Thank you. Oh. Goodbye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or... For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces, just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for kids, teens, or young adults. It's just not. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals and volatile organic compounds into your body. And nicotine, the same highly addictive substance found in regular cigarettes. Nicotine can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. Affecting learning, memory, attention, and impulse control. And priming the brain for other addictions. Vaping products also come in kid-friendly flavors that can make them appealing to youth. And many kids also use other drugs, like marijuana, in vaping devices. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media... Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping, because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Okay, welcome back to Beyond the Beltway. Uh, this is Jeannie Ives sitting in for Bruce Dumont. And with me is uh, Republican Judith Sherwin, Democrat Jack Franks, and our special guest this evening, Congresswoman Mary Miller. So glad that you could spend another half hour with us. Um, we did have a little bit of a problem with our call screening program, but the lines are now open again. So we please we want to hear from you. 1-800-723-8289. 1-800-723-8289. Uh, Mary, I will tell you, uh, Democrat Jack Franks has been itching to ask you about three resolutions he thinks you should uh, uh, 
bring up right away. He thinks they're bipartisan. Okay. So uh, just okay. want to get you, uh, your, we're going to put you in the hot seat and, and, and hand, hand the microphone over to a Democrat to well, ask you something. That's terrifying. <laughs> and, it is terrifying. Yeah, and Judith, you were, I just want to say one thing to Judith, talking about how, how things were ugly, you know, and I love the Winston Churchill quote, you know, that democracy is the worst form of government except for all the others. So I love democracy. It's not always pretty. But with these new rules that the Congresswoman has helped put forward, I think there's real opportunity here for bipartisanship. So I have a couple I'd like to suggest that you do on day one and ask for an up or down vote within 24 hours. Okay. (laughs) The The first, and I'm not kidding, the first would be support for strict enforcement of border security laws, including additional funds to require expedited due process guaranteed hearings on pre-entry applications for amnesty. Let's deal with this. This is one of the major things facing our country, so that's number one. Number two, support for funding, increased funding to local law enforcement, requiring education and training of police on use of of force, community policing programs, and repudiation of the slogan, defund the police, as irrational and contrary to the safety of American citizens of all incomes, nationalities, and colors. So those two I would start off with because I think it's very important for our security. But here's one that I think you might, and I'm going to put you on the hot seat, Congresswoman, because you objected to certifying the election and you voted against certifying Arizona and Pennsylvania. So how would you vote and would you introduce this, a resolution stating that Donald Trump was defeated by Joseph Biden in the 2020 election, and we should acknowledge that fact and just take it off the table so we can move forward. Those are the three I'd like to see introduced. Mary? Well, who's, who's your member? You should run against them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm done with this dirty business. Trust me. We, it's all yours. Well, you could, you could Jack, move your... you couldn't sit. And, and this... I think in this Democratic caucus that's currently sitting in Congress, they would run Jack out the door. Okay, for, certainly for the first two resolutions. Mm-hmm. Why the third not? one they'd probably like. The first two, you'd be done. No, I, th- I think I think Democrats would vote for it, and that's why I think you should introduce them and put them on the table. Let's smoke folks out. The good thing that you've done with these new re- with these new rules is to require up and down votes. These are yes or no votes. Because once you know where people stand, it makes it a lot easier to get the policy done. So I would ask, would you introduce those first, all three? I'd like to hear your ideas. I think you should get your uh, member to introduce them. Would you vote for them? <laughs> I think you should get your member to introduce them, and then we'll see what I do. I don't know why. What, I don't think they're very controversial. These are core issues, and it tells you where you stand. So I, and, you've, and you campaigned on these things. So I think you probably know where you are. Okay, well, let's uh, let's move on. We've got some dead space there. We <laughs> certainly don't want that. We are looking forward to this. And, and Mary, honestly, um, Republicans ran on holding the government accountable. Jim Jordan just added another investigation to his plate with a revelation that President Biden had classified documents at his home and office. How confident are you that we will see justice done and someone held accountable? And it's not just the Biden classified document scandal now, which they're calling garage gate, which I find hysterical. Um, but that it's all the other things that are happening. For example, independent reporter Matt Taibbi was on the Maria Bartiromo Sunday morning show, and he said that the collusion between the FBI and other government agencies and Twitter, that the FBI had 80 agents 
tasked with communicating with Twitter to censor contact. And in the entire federal government, the number of employees doing the same was 500 to 1,000. Every agency in government was tasked to censor over uh, censor thousands of accounts, and some federal agents were asking Twitter to for geolocation information, specific IP addresses, and Twitter handles. I mean, tell us about uh, you know. Obviously, Jim Jordan is going to be hyper focused on this. Can we yes. expect accountability? Do you think this leads finally to something happening? Well, I do think that uh, I'm very excited about the oversight that we're going to see with uh, between Jim Jordan, James Comer, and others. Even uh, Kevin Mac uh, Speaker McCarthy said he's going to be releasing the January 6th tapes so that the American people can see it. Um, we're going to have oversight, investigation. You know, we're going to see the power, subpoena power at work. But whether we have justice or not remains to be seen. But I made a list of, uh, besides what you brought up, we need to be investigating Mayorkas and the disaster at the border. He sat like two feet from me and lied and said the border is secure. Okay, uh, we need to investigate Hunter Biden. We need to have oversight over the money that's been going to Ukraine. Um, we need to know what happened and who's responsible for the Afghanistan, the withdrawal from Afghanistan and that disaster. The weaponization of the federal government against the American people, Merrick Garland needs to be put on the hot seat and answer some questions. The FBI, the IRS, um, uh, but we need to have oversight of Biden's education committee. Um, they actually answered my question in writing. They didn't want to answer it during the hearing, but they did say, yes, they are using taxpayer dollars to um, transgender minor children. We need to have investigation and oversight over China and, and how they've infiltrated all of our institutions and our government. We need to have investigation to find out how um, big tech and the government, Biden has been colluding influence influence the election and censoring um, the American people. Also, COVID policy, China and COVID, and how we and doctors in the medical community have been censored on the COVID policy. Yeah, there's there's a lot to talk about here. Um, you know, uh, and I hope that I, I have a lot of confidence in Jim, Jor Jim Jordan myself. Hey, listen, we've got callers on the line. Looks like our call line has uh, lit up a little bit. John, we're going to hold off on you. Joy, you as well, because I want to get right to Tom. Tom is from Youngston, Ohio. Um, and this he has a question for you, Mary. Um, and it has to deal with the J6 hearing. So, Tom, welcome to the program. Jeannie, great hearing you again. Uh, Congresswoman, I, I applaud what you've done so far as a group. My concern is the investigations, and I, I think what needs to be done is bring the defense side of the January 6th situation. The, the Democrats did a great dog and pony show of half-truths uh, when they presented their, their long-standing investigation. And, it, and, and by the way, it has to be done before the primary. I mean, I'm a Trump -looking. I'm going to vote for Trump, and if Trump sits it out, chances are I will. And from, in other words, if he's not the uh, nominee or 
if he's defeated by a nominee, but the Republicans did a concerted job of trying to vindicate what happened. You know, get Nancy Pelosi and, and the mayor of uh, Washington, D.C. to testify as to why they didn't take the 20,000 National Guard troops. Mm-hmm. Find out who this Ray Epps, who was a bandwagon with a, with a bullhorn, uh, telling everybody go into the, the uh, building there. Um, why uh, Christopher Ray was uh, not answering whether or not FBI agents were embedded in that crowd. Okay, and the two Tom, bombs that were found, excuse me. Tom, I'm, I'm going to, uh, we've got some other callers I want to get to, but well, no, it's no great problem. question. All I'm saying is that, yes. that that needs to be done. Otherwise, you won't have Trump's support when if you have another candidate and he hasn't been given, if it, if it looks like the Republicans are joining the bandwagon of dump Trump. Okay, very good question, um, Joy. Uh, you're a, you're caller too. You're caller too, but I want you to hold on because I want to hear from Mary first. But you, I think, probably have a different uh, bent on this entire deal. Mary, would you like what to is, respond? What was his question? Well, he, as far as he he believes that the Republicans should have uh, a defensive uh, J six committee rather than something somebody who went on the offense, a committee that went on the offense. Uh, how do you feel about a second J six committee or? Uh, is releasing the 14,000 hours of tapes that McCarthy has promised to do, or 14, I don't know, I think it was 14,000 hours. Is that going to be sufficient? Well, I think that Jim Jordan and James Comer are going to do everything to, you know, have oversight over all these things that have been happening in the last two years. Um, I'm not on those committees, so I'm, you know, in fact, yesterday I heard James Comer interviewed over uh, the uh, documents they keep finding that Joe Biden has tucked away here and there. And he said that he doesn't know any more than the American people and they're going to have to use subpoena power to get information. So, um, okay. All right, great. Jack, you got 30 seconds. Uh, what do you think? Do we need a second J six committee or do we need to just release the tapes and let people make up their minds? I just think we need to tone down the rhetoric because I'm not sure what it's going to do. What I'm worried about is our democracy. When we have people with election denying, and we see it spreading to other countries, for instance. And we saw what happened with Bolsonaro, and that was all what happened here. We have to be very careful how we use our words. And in, in Congresswoman, I know you want to do these investigations, and I think you should. But when you've already done resolutions four times to impeach the president and done in, you know, resolutions to impeach Merrick Garland and, and to Blinken, it sort of loses the unbiased nature and i think we need to tone it down all right we're going to come back joy you will be next all right joy and judith i'd like to have an opportunity okay judith we're going to have judith respond and then joy will take when you come back when we come back thank you Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. 
It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. I'll be here to hear what's on your mind. Kids want to share what's going on in their lives with the adults around them. Parents, grandparents, teachers, coaches, and more. They want to know you're listening, and they want to listen to you. They want your input and guidance early and often on all kinds of topics. When it comes to a serious subject like underage drinking, they want to know your expectations, as well as how and why, as a young person, they should avoid alcohol. How you talk about it will change as your child grows, but the important thing is to talk about it. Not just once for an hour when you think the time is right, but in 60 one-minute conversations and more that are part of your everyday talks. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker. Your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's thirty-three point three 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 percent of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my twenty-one person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm gonna take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Okay, welcome back to Beyond the Beltway. All right, Judith, you wanted to respond to Jack's comments about the, uh, J6 and and everything else. So go ahead. Right. Thank you. You know, first of all, toning down the rhetoric. Uh, referring to people as election deniers is anything but turning down the rhetoric. Okay, that's that's not doing any good. Uh, I might point out to Jack, although he may not have done it, I don't know, but the Democratic Party and all of the the liberal progressive elements of this country denied the election of Donald Trump from the minute he was elected. They referred to him as an illegitimate president. They didn't attend the inauguration. They did all kinds of things. They started a riot in Washington with the women's march in order to—I don't know what they thought they were doing. Maybe they were trying to create an insurrection. I don't know. I would never have called it that. However, what do you think the 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 brouhaha over the nomination of Brett Kavanaugh was? These were people who invaded the Capitol, invaded the hallways between the Capitol building and the Senate office building. Confronted people in the elevator, wouldn't let them go upstairs. It's one of the reasons that that guy from Arizona finally decided he didn't want to be 
a senator anymore. I can't, uh, I can't even remember his name at the moment. But this was horrific. All right. I'm happy Nobody to respond these to people that. insurrectionists. Okay. Uh, Nobody right. said anything about it. These people have been devoted for the last six years, seven years, to trying to say that Donald Trump was an illegitimate president. And I'll tell you one other thing. I teach constitutional law, and, and I have often thought I should tell my classes when I go through the Constitution that Article 2, which eliminates, which uh, elucidates all the powers of the president, has been amended. And it's been amended with a line all at the end that says, all of these powers are to be exercised by the president of the United States, unless his name is Donald Trump, in which case he can't do any of these things. That's what people have been trying to do for six years, and that is not legitimate. That is it's not bringing comparison. down the rhetoric. It's a false comparison. Okay, I, I disagree. I us, which you did not yep. do, but talking about election deniers, you've been denying the election of Donald Trump since, no, since I was 2016. Just, I was Judith, just shocked that he you won. And you the Democratic Party. All right, and I tell Judith. you, I'm sick of it. The country yep. is sick of it. And it needs to stop. I, this is a false Okay, I, I, I know Congresswoman uh, Miller agrees with this. I certainly agree with it, as I also had my own uh, spat here in Illinois about them unconstitutionally changing state election law in federal court while I was running for Congress. So I understand this completely. Hey, listen, we're going to have lightning round here, but my callers have got to promise that we're going to have lightning round to get through this. We only have about four minutes left. Joy, I'm going <laughs> to take your question. Be very, very quick, Joy. Joy from Spokane, Washington. You're on Beyond the Beltway. Okay, well, I'm going to go with the communication thing. One point, and you don't need to respond to that, to this. I'll do my second point. One point is that uh, as a layperson, I'm very confused when people on the radio talk about it's all media's fault. Um, as I listen to the radio, as I listen to political talk shows, to me, that's media. But maybe you don't think it's media. Um, my second point is I'm one of those awful liberal progressives who's ruining the country. And, um, but... Let me tell you that I think that on both sides, and I will give Donald Trump extra credit for trying to do this with the most zeal. I feel like one of our big problems is to take apart these government agencies and completely destroy them. And so even that there's a committee with weaponization, I think that, that we have to get back on both sides to instilling some trust in our agencies or we will just disintegrate as um as a country and and as i said it's on both sides but i think the republicans have somehow taken improving downsizing making more efficient agencies instead especially Trump. It's been, let's just destroy them. Let's eliminate them. And even the words of a weaponization committee, it's like, let's work. Make these agencies someplace that okay. the smart young All people right. in our country want to work at and not keep, I mean, it's, it, both sides use the agency. All right, but, Joy. So Joy, thank you. Not, thank you. Joy, we've okay. got two minutes left. I appreciate it. You, the, your, your point is, is, is like we need to use these agencies. All right, I, I get it. There's a whole lot that you, to unpack with what you said, but let's go straight to that because let's talk about that massive omnibus bill and what's going to happen with the debt ceiling fight. 
Mary Miller, uh, John in McHenry County, I know that this is kind of your question too, but I'm going to give Mary the last a minute and a half here to talk about that spending and what you guys put in for the rules and what's going to happen with the debt ceiling fight. This is going to be uh, the, the end of the program here, Mary, so you've got about a minute and a half left to respond. Yeah, well, I think that they've been using the Gephardt rule, which allowed them to raise the debt ceiling without voting on it. And we are going to hold people accountable. We've been doing that the past two years. The Democrats tried to pass all kinds of things by voice vote. And the Freedom Caucus would sit on the House floor. We had a schedule and we took turns and we called for recorded votes. And the thing that helps the government is transparency and accountability. And we are gonna have a fight over, over the money but the bottom line is that we're bankrupt and we can't continue the way we are. And, and um, in light of, uh, you know, you know uh, minimizing committees or holding them accountable or, or defunding them, for example, the Federal Department of Education, we don't need them. I'm all for shutting the Federal Department of Education down and return control back to the state and local authorities and let people have uh, communities in their school that represent the values of the community. We don't need the federal government okay. taking our money and trickling it back with all these mandates that don't match the values of the community where we are. Okay, Mary, thank you so much for giving us your time tonight. Okay. Congresswoman Miller, I really appreciate you coming on this show. You know, it's, it's a diverse audience here. You didn't know what to expect. Your first time on Beyond the Beltway. Thank you for answering questions and our audience absolutely appreciates uh, you uh, being very transparent and, and, and everything. So have a great night, rest of your night. Hey, listeners, stay tuned because we have the former chief of the U.S. Border Patrol on with us all of next hour. Tee up your questions right now, 1-800-723-8289. Thanks for joining Beyond the Beltway. We'll be back to you after this break. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. Goodbye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or... For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zinc and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. Let's be honest. 
The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Matthew. Huh? Oh, sorry. It's okay. I just need you to listen to me. I know that a lot of times, Mom, it might not seem like I'm listening to you, but I am. I hear you. And what you say really does matter to me. I mean, let's be honest. No kid likes rules, but I get why we have them. I hear you, and I know it's because you care. All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey, want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thanks, Mom for never giving up and always being my biggest fan. Thank you for letting me know what you expect so I can try to meet your expectations. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. Okay, welcome back to our second hour of Beyond the Beltway. If you are just joining us, this is Jeannie Ives sitting in for Bruce Dumont. Bruce is doing much better. I spoke with him this week, and he may be back to hosting the program. I know his loyal listeners are eager to hear his voice again and his insightful commentary. We have with us another special guest tonight, former chief of the U.S. Border Patrol under President Trump and Biden. Mr. Rodney Scott is here to discuss President Biden's visit to the border last Sunday and much, much more. Our phone lines are open 1-800-723-8289, 1-800-723-8289. Also with us in the second hour is still Judith Sherwin. She is a lawyer by training and a uh, political pundit by hobby, and then uh, Democrat Jack Franks as well to offer commentary. Mr. Scott became the 24th Border Patrol Chief in February of 2020. He had previously served as Deputy Chief Patrol Agent and Chief Patrol Agent of the San Diego sector, and in 2019 became Acting Deputy Chief of the Border Patrol. 29 years of service with the U.S. Border Patrol and 17 months of service as Chief of the U.S. Border Patrol. Mr. Scott, thank you so much for offering your time and your insight to uh, what is going on at the border. It is a bipartisan issue. People are alarmed at what they see happening. I think the country is finally waking up. Have you ever seen anything like this in your 29 years of service as we are now seeing at the southern border? And what alarms you the most? Let's start with start with uh, that as the opening question. Well, thank you for having me on tonight. I really look forward to the uh, the conversation and hearing some of the questions. Um, no, in my entire career, I haven't seen anything like this. And there's two really important points to that. The first is just the magnitude of the illegal immigration crossing the border. Uh, no time in my career do we see these massive numbers um, and it's continuing to increase. But probably more important than that, uh, throughout my entire career, multiple different administrations, and I'm glad you brought up this, is, uh, should not be a partisan issue. Um, I've never seen an administration not try to slow the flow down. 
Uh, this administration has really made a lot of decisions that, that created this crisis, um, and they continue to focus on processing people quickly and expediting their release into the U.S. as opposed to border security. And at no time in my career had I ever seen that happen before either. That, that's really the biggest, that's the big threat. That's the biggest issue. We just don't know who's entering. Okay, so Jack Franks, uh, you're a Democrat. Uh, here's the Rasmussen report from last week. 69% of respondents say the situation at the border is a crisis. This includes 67% of Hispanics, 57% of Democrats, and 68% of independents. As well, 62% of those respondents blame Biden's lack of enforcement. So, Jack, what do you say about this? You're a Democrat. I served with you. Yep. Okay, so what do you say about this, and, and what's your question for Mr. Scott? Well, first of all, Chief, I want to thank you for your service. And I, if I would have been Commander-in-Chief, you'd still be the Chief, I'll tell you that. Um, <laughs> thank you. Uh, the President campaigned against getting rid of Title 42, and now all of a sudden he wants Title 42. I think he's totally mismanaged this. Um, he's done a terrible job um, out, of, out of neglect allowing the what's going on at the border, drugs, cartels, poverty, violence. This is not, he's done an awful job. And let's just be honest about this. And we need people like the chief and others to come in with a holistic, a holistic way to solve this. I mean, the Department of Homeland Security is law enforcement, and their dominion extends only to the borders of the United States. But I don't know why our government has not been working more closely with our neighbors to try to stop what's going on. I was in Colombia a couple weeks ago, and they're the second largest company that's getting um, influx from Venezuela, right? Maybe if we were working with our neighbors better, we'd be able to stop this. Maybe our border ought to be working with Mexico and working with the southern border of Mexico, perhaps, and maybe stopping it there, maybe giving Mexico some money to house some people, maybe slowing it down there, maybe working with other countries. And I see this as a political crisis and, and how, we, how we're dealing in the Western Hemisphere with our neighbors. So I would see that the, our, this administration has fallen flat on its face on how we're dealing with this. We should fully fund our border security, and we need to do something radically different than what we're doing. So, Chief, I guess my, my question would be to you, if you, I know there's no simple solutions, because if there were, you already would have done them. But what can we do to make this better, and can we work with our southern neighbors to maybe alleviate this i'd like to hear what which what, what, what we can actually do how about build a wall jack well beyond that because okay. there's right. you know but there's more things we can do because maybe we can help the economy but we were we do that. We, well i i want to hear want to hear what our guest has to say but i just want to point out to you jack that that the trump administration was working with our neighbors they were working with mexico the remain in mexico uh but they weren't it funding should. it, though. You may remember that. They were working with other countries to tell them that if you're going to be sending people up here, you're not going to be getting any more foreign aid from us. Okay, there were a number of things that were done, and all of them were just thrown right out the window when, when the Biden administration came in because anything that Donald Trump did was evil and had to be finished, including Title 42, which, which now I think the administration wants to keep, right. not to keep people out, but because they want to keep the COVID narrative going. So, uh, okay, so thank, I'll, you I'll, I'll, thank, <laughs> thank you very I, much. Thank you very much for your there. service. Yeah, um, thank you I, very I, much. You just highlighted several of them. So in, throughout my entire career, multiple different administrations, 
we are consistently trying new things. And it is a holistic approach, though. So, but, but I, try not to be too partisan, but I will, I have to point out in the last administration, that administration put a lot of policies in place that were working, that was driving down illegal immigration, but really it was eliminating the fraud in the asylum process. So one of the key issues was the migrant protection protocols. But you, you highlighted a couple of other things that the last administration, we were doing during the last administration that don't get a lot of attention. I was sending teams of border patrol agents down to Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador on a regular basis. We were working with them to improve their law enforcement, to improve their asylum processes. Uh, we were working with the Department of State to build out legitimate uh, processes uh, for those countries as well. And we were creating what we called safe third country agreements. So if, if an individual really was uh, threatened with persecution in their home country, uh, we could find multiple places for them to be safe. They could not just country shop. Uh, the border wall was a critical piece, though, that gets a lot of people fired up. But that wall was des designed over a couple of decades by United States Border Patrol. It was bipartisan. And really what it did, it, very, very simple, made every single agent out in the field more effective so we could cover significantly more border with less personnel, better return on the investment for the American tax dollar. But that wall was only a piece of it. The policies in place to make sure that people follow our legal immigration laws, because this country, we, we forget sometimes, U.S. Border Patrol used to be under the Department of Justice inside the Immigration and Naturalization Service. So preserving the legal immigration system is a big part of what we're trying to do. How do you do that? You make sure that people come through your front door. It's that simple. The border wall and some of these other policies made sure that that was happening. Okay, that's great. You you are just a perfect guest. We you, we stopped right at the break, so that's great. There's so much more to talk about here. Um, I want to get to what the cartels are doing, how come they control our border and we don't. I want to get granular into what is actually happening with folks when they cross the border, how are they processed. There's a whole lot to talk about here, um, I, and I really appreciate Chief coming on. So stay tuned as we take a little bit of a break here. Bye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or... For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. 
We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. If you talk and they will hear you. We all want our kids to grow up safe and healthy. So we show them how. And we tell them with honest conversations that let them know what we expect. Not just one time, but every chance we get. That's especially important when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. Kids not only need to know the dangers and how to avoid them, they need to hear it often from you. And when it comes to pain medications, opioids, they need to know that they should never be taken without a prescription and never shared with friends or family. It's dangerous and illegal. So talk with your kids and guide them through the challenges of growing up safe and healthy. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. So talk, you can do it if you try. Okay, welcome back to Beyond the Beltway. We have Edward in Chicago. He has a question, but Edward, I want you to hold on. Sorry, I'm going to have you hold on for a minute while I introduce a little bit of what you want to talk about, I believe, because I think this is really relevant. Um, and again, callers, it's 1-800-723-8289. We have, uh, it's such a privilege to have on with us uh, Chief Scott. He is the former uh, head of the U.S. Border Patrol, and we were having a great conversation prior to the break. We're continuing that conversation now. Uh, here's what I don't understand, and this is actually for the entire panel here, and then we'll get to Edward's call. But what what happened to lawlessness? How can we just allow our laws to be violated all the time? Jack, we sit here in Illinois right now. Uh, I'm sorry, but it was your party that uh, said, hey, we're a sanctuary state along with some Republicans who voted for that as well. I mean, how can we have this complete lawlessness? Five million people walk across the border. Nobody says anything. They ship them off to other parts of the, the United States. There's no accountability. I can't go to my school district and say, how many illegal aliens am I paying for at my school district? There, nobody wants to talk about it in the government side. Nobody wants to reveal what the numbers really look like. Right. And it, I mean, I have had personal contact for example, with Brian McCann, whose brother, Denny McCann, was killed by an illegal alien who fled to Mexico, was just finally um, uh, brought back for, to, to have justice. And that trial will start, I think, in April, finally. But it's been uh, almost a decade. It's been a failure for a long time at the federal level in our immigration policy. And this is one thing Barack Obama should have tackled when he first got elected because he had the momentum on that. And he didn't. And he, and he worked on other things instead. And I think we've been suffering ever since. Certainly, we need legal immigration in this country. It's good for our country. That's who we're, in. we're a nation of immigrants. And we've been built that way. And we're, actually, we need more people. We actually do. We have to do it right. But what we've done, and there's been a system that's been set up that exploits it. Our employers do it because they get cheap 
They get cheap labor. Folks buying these cheap, they, they buy the fake Social Security numbers. They're not then collecting on it. They're paying these folks a little bit of money, and they're doing jobs that others aren't. So there is an economic incentive, and, it's the, and our government has always looked away because it's work, but until it hasn't, and it's not working anymore. So we need real immigration reform, and I'm sorry that the congresswoman isn't on right now, but there has to be a, a path to citizenship, and we cannot keep denying those folks that are here, and we should be doing this, and that's something the Biden administration ought to be focusing on now while they're concurrently working on the issue with the border because they're not mutually exclusive. Okay, before we go to the chief, Judith, can I, uh, let's, can I, I want you to yeah, respond, Judith, because can, do can we I, reward illegal behavior? something about that. Yeah. I mean, we have a very extensive immigration statute and very extensive procedures with the path to citizenship, not for people who cross the border illegally or who overstay their visas or various other things that people do to stay in this country. That, that's not a way to get a path to citizenship. That's a way to get a path to get thrown out of the country. So we have a very extensive system of laws in place. Now, maybe we need to change that. But while we are changing it, we have to enforce what we have, and nobody is doing that. And and you're taking people like Chief Scott, and and you're putting them out on the firing line with nothing basically to handle this this river of people, and you encourage them to come in. I mean, and you do. Joe Biden encouraged them to come in. Kamala Harris encouraged them to come in, and then later on they said, "Don't come here." Well, nobody's listening to that anymore. I mean, that's just silly. So um, I have to disagree with you. We may need immigration reform, whatever that is, but the people who are here illegally, there has to be a way to deal with them, and some of them may ultimately get a path to citizenship, and that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. However, the, the system that's in place right now is no system. The system in place right now is we have a chief executive who's in charge of this, not faithfully executing the law, period, end of story. Okay. I'm not saying go out and impeach him, but Article Article 2 says that's his job, to enforce the law. He's not doing it. He's doing quite the opposite. And, and we can't survive if that keeps going on because this is lawless, and it filters down to everything else in the country. Okay, so, so let's let's take. I've been promising Edward to get on the program. Edward, uh, welcome <laughs> to the program. You're on with uh, on Beyond the Beltway. Good evening. I'm Mexican American, and what needs to happen is that uh, we need to remove the tax exempt status of these people. And Jack, if we had a work study in high school, we wouldn't have a work ethic among Americans. Okay. So uh, he was basically wanting to remove the tax-exempt status for organizations that host illegal aliens. No doubt there's quite a few of those uh, organizations that do invite the lawlessness. Um, my bigger concern is for the protection and the safety of the American people, and that also includes our, our Border Patrol agents who ha have to deal with this in, in, uh, for real. So, Chief, Scott, back, back to you. I mean... It, it, there's there's things that obviously that you have no control over because they're big policy issues about immigration and expanding legal immigration. But I don't think that the uh, people understand that when you allow such lawlessness at the border, you invite other people to actually control our borders. And I'm talking about the cartels. Can you tell us how many of these people are coming across 
just walking across of their own accord are, are nearly all of them being ushered in through a channel where they are paying off our, our cartel to get in. Is that what's happening? Are we making these thugs really, really wealthy? Not, not only are you making them wealthy, you're making their job or their function, if you will, a lot easier. Let me back up to, to the prior discussion just a little bit real quick. Actions speak louder than words. So it really doesn't matter what the president or the vice president now say about come or don't come. It's about what happens. And what's happening today is people cross the border and they're getting released into the United States. They don't care about what, you know the, how long the legalities or any of that other stuff. They're in. That's the prize. And then they call home and they and they tell everybody, hey, it really worked. So the cartel's using that as a marketing tool. So there's a lot of people that are going to try this credible fear fraud, basically asylum fraud, and they're willing to walk right up to a border patrol agent and surrender because they're going to try to claim asylum. The cartel uses those massive numbers of people. They've always done this to a certain extent, but now they have an endless flow of human beings to use as shields for their more nefarious criminal activity, which is smuggling in the criminals that are willing to pay more to smuggle in their narcotics or, or anybody else that wants to be in the second wave. It is a huge national security risk. The cartel owns or controls every single foot of that border between Mexico and the United States. Even if somebody doesn't cross, doesn't have, doesn't pay, they're crossing with permission. They, they, they got granted access in some way, shape or form. But basically what the Biden administration has done unwittingly, hopefully unwittingly, is give the cartels so many human beings to use as tools to shape the border. They've literally given the cartel control over who comes into this country and who does not. The cartel gets to pick and choose every single day now. They're, they're basically making up our immigration laws. Who is going to be in the second wave? Who's going to be pushed across the border after every single law enforcement agent is busy with the first wave? processing, transporting, babysitting, if you will. Um, and when I say waves, that's what I mean. The first group they push across, they, they pick the numbers and make sure that it, it wipes out all the law enforcement on the U.S. side. So then when they bring the next wave across, it's without any uh, inhibition whatsoever. And it's going to Chicago, Denver, New York, whether it be people or whether it be commodities, narcotics, or whether it be suspected terrorists. And that is a huge threat. And it, it could be stopped. We showed in the last administration we knew how to stop it. I have never had it explained to me in that way. And it makes perfect sense that it, now about how people, you, you've got a million gotaways because they are occupied with the other side. Jack, Jack, I mean, don't you think that we need Chief Scott's voice? I mean, this is why I actually want him on. We needed more conversations about exactly what's going on at the border on both sides. I don't think that any reasonable human person wants this lawlessness, this actual criminality going on. I mean, the idea that a cartel controls the U.S. border and not U.S. the U.S. Yeah, border that's, patrol. That's, it's terrifying as I'm listening to you, Chief. And, and, and right. I, that's why I want to hear your ideas because... When we were off, I was talking to Jeannie. I'm like, what would happen if we just gave Mexico a lot of money and helped them enforce it and maybe move the borders to their southern border? Yeah, you know? but the cartels control Mexico. Am I wrong about that, Chief? Right. No, no, they really do. But in the last administration, they, we, 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 we tweaked the Department of State a little bit, if you will, because the last administration understood that the cartels do have a lot of influence. And there's a saying in Mexico, silver or lead, either take yeah. the payoff or we will kill you. And that's real. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to water that down at all. That's a real threat. 
So to convince the government officials in Mexico to work with us, we had to make sure that it was, in a, it was more advantageous to work with us than to not. So the administration threatened tariffs, threatened to remove additional assistance, financial and other, that we were given Mexico. And we made it in their best interest to help us. And if you look back overnight, they set up checkpoints in Mexico. Uh, they started actually enforcing their own immigration laws and laws of their own country. We didn't ask them to do anything crazy. Just enforce your own laws and slow this down. And overnight, that flow of human beings that the cartel just uses as tools dried up. Guess what else happened then? The drug seizures went up because Border Patrol agents were actually out patrolling the border looking for criminal activity instead of stuck in a, in a station processing people. Uh, and then we were getting more and more effective. The border wall and everything else helps. We were doing the same thing with Guatemala and Honduras. We were trying to create a Western Hemisphere security plan, yeah. and it was working. But you do, you're countering, you have to counter billions and billions of dollars worth of drug money uh, that they're trying to influence the Mexican government with and these other governments all the time. Okay, we are back to a hard break. Perfect stopping point again. You're an awesome guest. Okay, we will be back again. Tee up your questions, 1-800-723-8289. This is Beyond the Beltway. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. What if the music stopped? If the familiar voices were silenced? If there were no breaking news updates? What if your companion and connection to your community came with a monthly fee? Don't worry. We're free local radio with you wherever you go. Celebrating 100 years and looking forward to the next 100. We are broadcasters. Text radio to 52886 and let Congress know you depend on your local TV and radio stations. This message furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for kids, teens, or young adults. It's just not. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals and volatile organic compounds into your body. And nicotine. 
the same highly addictive substance found in regular cigarettes. Nicotine can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. Affecting learning, memory, attention, and impulse control, and priming the brain for other addictions. Vaping products also come in kid-friendly flavors that can make them appealing to youth. And many kids also use other drugs, like marijuana, in vaping devices. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping, because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Welcome back to Beyond the Beltway, and we're going to go straight to our caller because it's a timely call. This is Kathy from Austin, Texas. Kathy, welcome to Hello the program. There. Thank you. Um, I just happened to start listening uh, about 15 minutes ago, and uh, I'm so excited that you are finally having a discussion with this slant um, about the border. I mean, this has been going on for many years now, and and the description that John, uh, Rodney just described about the processes of moving people across the border, I've been hearing about this this for for uh, a long time now. The 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 different, as he described, uh, phases and. And uh, this is not new. This is the way they have been uh, manipulating what's been going on down there for this whole time. Um, and I, I just don't think, I mean, I'm hearing about things going on from alternative media. So, um, you know, the Biden administration certainly doesn't want to listen to alternative media. But but the information is out there of what is going on. Uh, people are just aren't getting it. Okay, well, thank you for calling in. I appreciate that. Uh, listen, that's part of the reason I want to have Chief Scott in is because uh, across the country, there's only a few states that actually are on that Mexican border and experiencing the crisis, Arizona, New Mexico, Texas. Uh, and the rest of us are sitting here maybe seeing some residual effects, but not really having it in our face. And, and so um, take us through then, Chief Scott, if you could. And, of course, I want to open this up to, to Jack and to Judith to ask questions as well. Uh, but uh, first of all, when you, when you come into um, – when you actually meet an illegal immigrant at the border, kind of just take us through the process. What, what happens with them? Sure. So the first thing I think everybody needs to remember is as U.S. Border Patrol agents, their job is to actually secure the borders of the United States, make sure no one crosses in between ports of entry illegally. Uh, they just we just make sure they try to use the or we try to make sure they use the front door. So when the agents go out, it depends on the area, the time of day. Um, and again, a lot of times it's middle of the night, two, three in the morning, Rio Grande River. They don't. They just don't necessarily know if it's the smuggling of narcotics or criminals or migrants. You have to be cautious when you when you encounter them. Once they're encountered, uh, we basically do a quick search and then identify. Uh, try to identify nationality, and that's another thing. Over 160 different nationalities. It's not just the uh, southern. It's not just the western hemisphere. So language is is a challenge sometimes. 
Um, and then they're transported uh, back to a processing facility in most cases. That in and of itself, if you think about it, when the cartel pushes across groups of 100 up to, uh, up to 1,000 actually at one time in the past, um, you're talking 12 passenger vans to get in and out of some of these remote areas. You can't take a bus down there, so it takes quite a while. Once they're at a station, they're fingerprinted and photographed, um, but unless they're like some nefarious worldwide criminal, we don't really don't have any information off of them, so you're going to have to take them for their word. In most cases, they've already gotten rid of any travel documents or any identification that, that they've had before. Um, so fingerprints, records checks, see if anything, if anything criminal, they get pulled aside. Uh, otherwise, they get processed for immigration. With Title 42 or without now, the agents have to ask them if they have fear of returning back to their country. And this is where the cartels and a lot of NGOs, unfortunately, um, are coaching the aliens on specifically what to say. If they indicate they have any fear of returning back to their home country or Mexico, uh, then they're pull, pulled aside for a credible fear hearing by an asylum officer. Unfortunately, that bar is very, very low that if there's any reasonable possibility their claim could be, could be legit, then they're put into the asylum process. Uh, it basically means that right now, because there's really no detention space, that this administration has actually cut back detention space as well. Um, they're set up for a hearing, sometimes uh, up to six years this process could take or longer. Uh, they're set up for a hearing and then they're released into the United States. So kind of like, unfortunately, if you go back to 86, the last time we did an amnesty, if people know that they're going to get released or if they think there's a chance that they're going to be allowed to stay in the United States, they're willing to risk about anything to get past that phase. So as soon as we actually, under the Biden administration, started releasing people again, the word got out immediately, kind of worldwide, and that is the massive influx that we have today that's allowing the cartel to control the border instead of the U.S. government. So, Judith, wow. Judith, you're a constitutional lawyer. I mean, what, what do states do to fight back when the federal government won't enforce their, their, the laws of the federal government and then push the, push the expense down to the state level? What can they do? Well, I, I think, you know, the, I think the, uh, the governor of Texas, um, Greg Abbott, and, uh, well, it's not going to happen in Arizona for sure, but um, he's declare he what he has to do is declare an emergency so that he can uh, use his Texas National Guard to secure the border himself. Now, it would be very interesting. I mean, you know, I, I think you remember several years ago, uh, the state of Arizona passed a law uh, which allowed um, state troopers to stop people and inquire about their citizenship. And that was, that was thrown out by the Supreme Court, rightly so, because immigration law is a national um, issue and needs to be the same from state to state. But when the federal government is not enforcing uh, immigration law, which clearly it is not doing at the border, um, the states do have certain options in terms of declaring an emergency and enforcing it the, the immigration law on behalf of the federal government and let the federal government come in and stop them. I mean, they're not going to do that. Uh, I'm, I'm sure the Biden administration is going to be sending all kinds of letters and complaining and all that sort of stuff, but that would be some look, you know, if they're trying to keep cartels and drugs out of Texas and, and the Biden administration goes to court to stop them, that, that would be really something to see. So, 
you know, the Constitution uh, guarantees every state a Republican form of government. You know, we keep talking about our democracy. We have a Republican form of government that operates under democratic principles. And the the government right now, um, well, first, I mean, there's a variety of things that are wrong, but the immigration law is clearly not being enforced, clearly a problem. Um, and again, I you know, I don't want to get down this impeachment road. I don't want to spend the next two years impeaching everybody and their brother in Washington, you know, including Joe Biden. But we have to have some law enforcement dealing with what's going on at the border. And and um, if the federal government won't do it in Texas, which seems to be the worst place, then I think the state of Texas has a constitutional right to do it on their own. Okay. And and I believe that the attorney general of Texas, you know, is is guiding Governor Abbott on this. And, and this is what they're doing. Um, All right. I also think that they could probably finish the border wall in places where where there are gaps. And the federal government did stop them from doing that, but I think they should go ahead and do it okay. in whatever way they can. All right. So. Thanks a lot, Judith. I want to bring Jack in here. And again, callers, 1-800-723-8289. We're having a great conversation with Chief Scott, former U.S. Border Patrol chief. And Jack, though, here's the deal. Okay, so you've got cartels operating on the streets of Chicago, L.A., New York, you name it. It's a It's a big drug trafficking, it's sex trafficking, it's gang violence, it is destroying people's lives, and it is also being precipitated by the lawlessness that's coming over the borders. That's where we're getting our fentanyl comes over. So um, what can can the states do something? Why can't they take down these cartels? Why don't we have, we have RICO statues. Why is this not being enforced? Why are we not working with the federal government to stop the cartels. Well, that's more reactive because we're dealing with it after it's happened. I think what the chief's doing, though, is much more important. And you hear about what what Biden had promised to spend like $4 billion in Central America and help their economies, but he never did any of that. And now, and the chief said something very important at the beginning when he's saying what we were working with Mexico and was working and we were giving them incentives to make it more worthwhile to work with us and with the, the cartels. The problem is right now with their system of government like ours, their president, can't be reelected. So he doesn't have a lot of inflection points right now. So I think to stop this, I think, and I'm not, I want to get the, the chief's opinion here. It seems to me that our most important partner in all of this would be the government of Mexico. So how do we get them to help us now? Because if we can get them to help us, I think a lot of the other symptoms are solvable. And, you know, we can do the law enforcement, you know, up here, it's a little different, but how do we get them to work with us, Chief? Because you've done it before and it worked, well, but, wait, but, but, our, but wait, our politics have changed. Wait a minute. They were, they were just down there in Mexico all together, right? And they were talking um, semiconductor industry, uh, climate goals. They had important discussions down there at the yeah. North American Summit. Yeah, they forgot Mexico. this. That's what they were talking about. But they forgot, they forgot this forgot one. They forgot the most important issue. They forgot this one. So. Oh, well, exactly. Uh, I actually have a pretty simple answer to that. I want to hear ask them and you just make it very clear that if they don't participate, there will be consequences. You know, we think we forget how powerful the United States is from the remittances from people living in the United States, sending that money back to Mexico, to the cross-border trade and travel, the maquiladoras on the border, to literally 
the relatives of government officials in Mexico having free access to the United States with their current visas, whether they be student visas or visitors right. visas. Okay. We have a lot of power to shut that down. All right, Chief, hold it there. We are up for our last break. The last seven minutes are going to go really fast. If you want to weigh in on this conversation, 1-800-723-8289. Uh, we're having a great discussion on illegal immigration and how to fix it. So, uh we will be back shortly uh, to finish off this segment. Thank you. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine, vinegar, and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. I think it's just vapor. Vaping is safer than smoking, isn't it? There's really not even that much nicotine in them, right? One vape pod has as much nicotine as one pack of cigarettes. My kid? My kid knows it's dangerous. 5.4 million American kids vape, and most think it's harmless. Get your head out of the cloud. Talk to your kid about vaping. Visit talkaboutvaping.org. That's talkaboutvaping.org. Brought to you by the American Lung Association and the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. <laughs> I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. I'll be here to hear what's on your mind. Kids want to share what's going on in their lives with the adults around them. Parents, grandparents, teachers, coaches, and more. They want to know you're listening, and they want to listen to you. They want your input and guidance early and often on all kinds of topics. When it comes to a serious subject like underage drinking, they want to know your expectations, as well as how and why as a young person they should avoid alcohol. How you talk about it will change as your child grows, but the important thing is to talk about it. Not just once for an hour when you think the time is right, but in 60 one-minute conversations and more that are part of your everyday talks. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov.
Welcome back to Beyond the Beltway. Again, callers, it's 1-800-723-8289. Uh, Chief Scott, uh, you know, we've got only a few minutes left in the program tonight. Uh, could you just give us, give us a roadmap to how you would solve this problem? And then also maybe define some terms for us that maybe we are conflating in this bigger conversation about border security and illegal immigration. Yeah, thank you for that. And I want to separate the two. It, it, immigration policy, it's important, but it's not the same as border security. It plays a role. But immigration policy is about who gets to stay and who gets to come into the country. You cannot even have that conversation if you can't control who enters the country. So border security in the simplest context, it's just like your home. You expect people to come through the front door and then you make a decision of who can come in or who can stay. We do the same thing at a national level. We have 328 ports of entry where people are supposed to come and go legally. That's all we ask. Border Patrol is every single person they arrest, it's because they did not come through the front door. We can't tolerate that. No nation can tolerate that. But we can't have any discussion about changing the immigration policy or who can stay or who can't until we can actually get people to go through the front door. Okay, so uh, would you say, obviously you've looked at border security internationally. I would just assume that you have, having operated yes. at the highest levels. Do we have the laxest border security in the entire world or one of the laxest? I, I'm, I'm kind of appalled at where we sit. Uh, of a developing nation, right? It, okay. it was getting better and better and better. But right now, I would say, yes, we do, because it's all for show. We're spending billions of dollars, really, a day on personnel and infrastructure, but we're not letting them do their job. We're allowing the cartel to, to force us to just do processing because the Biden administration is just releasing people and it creates this nonstop flow. So we have the ability to really secure our borders like you would expect for a great nation like the United States, but right now we're just choosing to not to do it. It's almost like a third world nation. Does it feel like we had uh, border security when it was all about COVID? I mean, certainly you had border security. You couldn't go to Italy, you couldn't go to Europe, Europeans couldn't come over here. Whoa, I, I think we know how to do border security when it's politically uh, convenient for them to want to do that. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. It's a good point. And uh, we talked a lot about the southwest border, but we need to remember it's the United States Border Patrol, U.S. border security. So it was the same with Canada. Uh, it was the same with the coast. And we're seeing those borders. We're losing control of those now, too, because all the resources have been pulled away. We can do this. We left the Biden administration a roadmap that, that showed how to secure the border. It was getting better every single day. And that, I argue, would have made the country more willing to discuss immigration reform. But the total chaos today has pretty much wiped out any ability to have any discussion about uh, like the policies about who can stay or who can't when you can't even control who enters. So, Judith, don't you think that we're a long ways away from talking about any sort of uh, even allowing DACA recipients to stay at this point, or uh, that that's still in flux. I mean, do you think that this border crisis is so immense at this point that there can be no conversations now? Maybe that's what's come of this, if anything good's come out of it, is that until we close the border, we will not be talking about uh, allowing um, anybody to change their immigration status. Right. I mean, I, I have to agree with you. We we have to secure our house. I mean, it's exactly what the chief said. You know, we don't let anybody, everybody come into our house. You have locks on your door. 
Uh, and, and I mean, one of the saddest things that I just heard is we're about to have problems with the Canadian border and with the coast now, too, because you have to take all those people and put them down to Texas because we've got millions of illegal people coming over, uh, you know, from from wherever, from what did you say, 162 countries. I mean, that is scary. So I don't think we can have any of those discussions until the administration starts enforcing the law and allows the border patrol to enforce the law instead of trying to make you know criminals out of them and accusing them of whipping immigrants and all this stuff i mean it's absolutely ridiculous and this has got to be done and and you know all the people who think that you know oh we're being open-hearted we're letting all these people in you're not being open-hearted you're you're leaving these people to the mercies of cartels of vicious criminals who are in the course of all of this controlling our border instead of us and we have to stop it okay and and Thank uh, you. Uh, Jack- there is a plan we did it all we need to do is go back and do it again and then we can have that discussion all right jack i'm going to give you a policy. chance i'm going to, i'm going to give jack a chance to ask a, another question that he had for chief scott and then we're going to wrap it up and I respectfully disagree on the DACA issue as well. I don't. I think they're mutually exclusive. I think we have to give people the the right path. I don't think we have to wait till we close the border there. So I'm gonna re, I'm gonna disagree with. The I'm panel. saying politically speaking, it may it's probably really really difficult to do that until you close the border. I'm not saying yes or no on on that. I'm saying I think that politically this has become such a crisis, or it should no, be it that is. you can't until well, you promise well, it. And there's the segue question, in chief, and this is probably a whole other issue. You've only I, got a minute. I'm really worried about our, our ports, and we hear about, like, the Port of Los Angeles, and we had the problems with our supply chain things as well. But is that as big an issue as that I think it may be with we're really not checking the containers and things coming in, and we might be getting our the drugs and other things coming that way? And what can we do to address that as well? Because I think that might have fallen to the back burner because of this other issue with the cartels at our southern border. So, so it's the same issue. So it's Customs and Border Protection. Border Patrol is part of it. It's the ports of entry and in between working together. But people don't realize as we divert resources, whether they be Border Patrol agents or Customs and Border Protection officers, away from those enforcement missions, away from screening cargo and legal trade and travel, and we force them to process these asylum seekers, that takes away from that other function and it slows down. Next time you come through an airport and you have a two-hour wait coming international, you can thank Biden once again because people that would have been processing you are now processing these illegal aliens coming across the border. Um, it, it all plays together, and you either secure the border and then we make decisions or we allow the cartel to keep doing it. And unfortunately, that's the direction we're at right now. Okay, that ends the program. I want to thank Chief Scott so much for your time tonight. You have been just a light in the darkness, you have been super informative. And people coast to coast have learned a lot more about border border safety and what's going on and illegal immigration. Thank you to Jack Franks for coming on the program. Judith Sherwin, as always, great comments tonight. Appreciate everybody. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday night.
Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. Uh, goodbye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or... For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. Why was the basketball court all wet? Because the players kept dribbling on it. The dad joke. Corny, groan-worthy, but also one of the simplest ways to share a moment with your kids. What did the buffalo say when he dropped his son off for school? Bye, son. <laughs> so take a moment to make your kid laugh, because dad jokes rule. Make your kid laugh today. Go to fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike's sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra. An exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings. The kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike's subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike's sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. 